Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lepondra looking to get close side of Fon. Lepondra away from David. 3-1 Reading. Three points Reading. Hello, welcome to the Elm Park Royals preview podcast supported by Phantom Bruco. Talking of Phantom Bruco, before I get going with James Earnshaw here, being that it's Thanksgiving in the US today, I think I'd, I would just remind people that Phantom are going to be hosting the Super Bowl in February. It's £10 for a ticket. You get two drinks tokens with it. So it's essentially a free evening out if you want to go and watch the Super Bowl in February. Tickets are available. We shared the links on our Facebook and Twitter pages. So go and have a look at those if you are into your American football. James, talking of football in this country now, how are you doing? How was the press conference today? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, it was a busy one because we had a you know, warm-up to the FA Youth Cup Game tomorrow at the Medeski against Forest Green. Uh, so we had a Jilks times two. We had obviously legendary Michael and his son Harrison, who is Mikko Legitwood's assistant manager uh, for the under 18s. So that was nice to have a proper catch up. Um, but yes, in terms of first team, nothing too major. Uh, McIntyre, the only doubt, well, not a doubt, you know, he's, he's not going to be playing on um, Saturday next three or four weeks. Um, other than that, he just uh, mentioned Hutchinson's post match. Comments against Shrewsbury, um, said he didn't agree with them and that um, he would have a word, which he has had a word with him since. Um, and yeah, you know, no, no off-field um, updates. He said he was having a meeting with Bo and Co, um, as they're known, uh, afterwards, after he spoke to us. Bo and Co. Um, so uh, that was to come this afternoon. So obviously we haven't heard anything about that. Um but yeah, obviously the big news, I guess, is Ajaria um, having some downtime, you know, just to go on top of his his downtime that he's had for, for the last few weeks and months. Um, but yeah, you know, it's been a been a busy one. I think if you uh, if you were to look at Ajaria's downtime, yeah, it's 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 just adding to that amount of time that he's not going to play. And realistically, from everything now that his sellers has been saying over the last couple of weeks, especially in the the kind of the presses that you've been having with him. It really comes across as that whoever, even if Sellers leaves, it comes across that Jaira is pretty much done at Reading, no matter who comes in at this point, I think. Yeah, I can't see him ever playing for Reading ever again. And in a normal, stable situation where the club has access to funds, I'm sure they probably just terminate his contract, shake his hand and go, you know what, you know, thank you for, for the 18 months you gave us, but the last three years has been pretty dross and uh, no one's going to want to buy you. I can't see him. I can't see anyone. You know, if, if he's not with the commitment, it doesn't seem like he wants to play in League One. 
I can't see anyone in the championship taking a gamble. Um, and, you know, the only option then is abroad, in which case, you know, as far as I'm aware, he had options to go abroad last season and he turned them down. So I just, I don't think he wants to play football anymore. Um, yeah, so. it'll be a, it'll be an interesting story to follow next summer once he does leave Reading inevitably, just to see what happens to him. Um, I Personally, I kind of agree with you. I don't really see where he's going to end up. Nobody in a league above is going to take him. Is he really going to want to play League One football if he's not been committed at Reading? Probably not. And, you know, abroad, I mean, who knows? Maybe there's an option from out there, but if he wasn't bothered last time, what's going to change his mind now? Um, it's difficult to say. Uh, you obviously mentioned Hutchinson's post-match comments at Shrewsbury, which were very scathing of, of young players, not all of them, but certainly he kind of was not particularly impressed with some of the lessons not being learned at the end of games in particular, um, which, you know, let's be honest, it's slightly ironic given the Shrewsbury equaliser um, was definitely mainly attributed to Hutchinson losing his man. Um, Sellers giving Hutchinson a, I guess, a bit of a dressing down for it. Is that the right word? I don't, don't quite know how how harsh Sellers has gone in on Hutchinson for that, but it seems like there's definitely a disagreement as to whether that was the right thing to do or not. Yeah, not just Hutchinson, it was a whole whole club. Um, you know, he also mentioned that he'd spoken to the media boys at the club and and said that wasn't, you know, the right thing to have done and, and they need to do things differently. Um, you know, I think I think we can all look and admire his honesty, I guess. It makes a nice refreshing change to the usual stuff, especially for someone in my position, it's always a bit more interesting to have words like that to write than the usual. We go again next week. But if you're a young player in that dressing room, you're not going to be impressed. And, um, you know, we've been assured that the dressing room have, have discussed it and it's been sorted. Um, you know, we've just got to see how they play with each other in the coming weeks and months and whether it's something that's going to be bubbling away under under the surface or they really have you know drawn a line under it and, and move forward. Of course, this weekend, Hutchins is not going to be playing anyway, though, because... He picked up his fifth yellow card against Shrewsbury. What's the, I guess, likely replacement for, for Hutchinson this weekend? Have we got any indications to that? No, no, no no uh, specific names or anything. I mean, I presume it will be the same formation as, as um, you know, I mean, obviously Savage missed Shrewsbury with his suspension. So maybe it's just a like for like Hutch out who, you know, Hutch replaced Savage in the first place um, from from the last home game. Um, when he picked up his suspension. So maybe it's just a case of, of swapping back. Um, but yeah, that's the only thing I could I could think of, unless he's bringing in Craig. I would not be against seeing Michael Craig play more and more at the minute. Every time I've seen him play, he's one of those players who just impresses me, but seemingly doesn't, doesn't warrant a starting position just yet, unfortunately, which is a shame. Yeah, no, he's, he's done no wrong. Um I guess they're still trying to work out that balance in midfield um, with the experience and, and the youth and, and the different sort of roles that they all play. Uh, I think it has to be a three, as we've all called for. I think the, the freeing up of the two eights has been much, much needed um, since, you know, since they've had the, the six with the two eights sort of sitting a bit yeah. freer. Since they've moved to that kind of four one four one, they've they've, mm. they've looked a little bit more solid, haven't they? Despite yeah, more free. Three against um, Rosebury, three against yeah. Portsmouth, really. Uh, I mean, they've, they, it's freed up attackingly. I mean, yeah, they've still 
still looking questionable at the back. Um, but when you can see that many chances, it's bound to happen. But they looked much more potent going forward. Obviously, Wing and Savage scored two against Portsmouth. Wing loves, I mean, Wing was playing a 10 for Wickham last season in and around the striker. He's got that lethal strike on him that he you know, keeps trying every week. Eventually, one of them will go in. Um, you've just got to get him freed up, and he can't play the defensive minded role. That's not what he came in to do. And if, you, if you've got someone to play defensively, it's got to be Hutchinson or, or Craig. They're the only two that can do it. Because Savage and Wing both love to to get around uh, the pitch and, and predominantly near the near the attacking edge. Yeah, uh, I think I agree. Wing Wing's definitely more of a uh, front-footed player, isn't he? Certainly. Uh, in, in I guess in terms of the the press conference, the only other news as you discussed was that Tom McIntyre is out for another three four weeks. It it's a shame because I really feel like as much as we kind of admonished Tom McIntyre last year defensively at points. Having him available would make us so much more stable at the back, just as an option more than anything, because we just seem to be cycling through different combinations, especially of centre-backs, and none of them are really working still. Yeah, no, exactly. And he's another, he could be the fabled seventh left-back. Um, well, no, he's already one of the left-backs, isn't he? So it'd be a return to one of the seven left-backs that we've, we've used so far. This season, um, yeah, he's a miss, and, and it's mainly a miss for Ruben, and that he's the only player missing. And at that point, he's got a full squad at his disposal. And you know, managers have nowhere left to hide when you've got a full fit squad and you just can't put them in the right positions. Then you know, you've got to start looking more at yourself than than other outside influences. Um, you know, football, I guess football teams this way in the season never have a fully fit squad, it's to be expected. And no doubt, when McIntyre comes in, another one or two will drop out. Um, so yeah, he'll be a miss, um, but. You know, two weeks off, fresh optimism. We've got to go into the game, attack it, and you know, try and get that that fabled away win. Fingers crossed. One of the, I guess, one of the things with uh, Ruben Sellers at the moment is, in any normal club, Ruben Sellers probably is either sacked now or is definitely under a lot of pressure and under expectations to get a win. Has there been any kind of noise at all from the club in terms of replacing Sellers, moving Sellers into a different? position within the club, gardening league, etc. Because obviously online people are clamoring for Ruben Sellers to, to be removed. But we're in a very obviously unique situation where it feels like that that is just almost impossible for it to happen. Yeah, no Sellers is acutely aware of his of the pressure he's under. I mean he was asked today, you know, whether he felt pressure to win the next couple of games or get positive results. And he said, you know, yeah, you know, when when a manager's ten points adrift at the bottom of any table especially one that's just come down from the division above, you know, you should expect better. But ultimately, I don't think the club have any... I think they're all fully aware that there's nothing they can do, uh, the people on the ground. There's no one in the in the sort of... any of the roles, the day-to-day roles, that can make that call. Um, you know, it was touch and go, um, you know... Regarding... And I guess even if, they, even, if they did, even if they did have somebody who could make that decision, such as Bowen, for example... Bowen would need a signing off from from the, the money isn't there for them to be able to move him along anyway at this point. Well, no, the money's so. not there, and and they would still need the approval of of Dayong. And at the minute, he either isn't around, which he, he's not really been around, and he's got other things on his mind at the minute, such as trying to, you know, sort out a takeover. So I don't think Sellers' role is at the top of Dai's mind. Dai certainly isn't going to want to pay out compensation from manager that he's not going to be seeing any impact of. So there's no, I don't think there's any chance of him 
um, getting rid of Sellers while Dice still in charge. It just is what it is. Um, you know, it's a sad state of affairs. But all all Sellers and the squad can do is, you know, is put their heads down and try and make the best of of the situation. You know, that's sadly that's where we are at the minute. We play Wickham this weekend, James. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have only travelled to a couple of times in recent recent years. Once in the Championship, where there was no fans. Once in the Cup a couple of years ago as well, when mm. Reading obviously took over one end of the stadium. Cracking away day that. I think we won on penalties from memory. Mm. Danny Loder yeah. scored the winning penalty. Raphael, I want to say, on his that. debut. Yeah. In front and, of the uh, Romanian king George Puskas scored his first goal, I think, for the club that day. One of his one of his very few. And, and even that looked like a mistake. <laughs> we, we we obviously go into the game against Wickham not having played them in the league for what twenty years at this level now. I think twenty one years since we played them mm. in the third tier. Um so and we're we're taking close to two thousand fans, I think it is this weekend, James. Mm. Have those two thousand fans got any any hope of seeing as as defeat Wickham, do you think? What's the score going to be? Always have hope. If you have hope, you have nothing. Um, but I don't think it's likely. Uh, I think we'll draw one all. Um, I think there'll be lots of... Puff, I mean, puff. even a draw is a big improvement for our in terms of our away form currently, let's be honest. Well, it's probably only our fifth or sixth away point in the last year, so you've got to take these points. Baby steps. Yeah, baby steps. Um, but yeah, it's better than a defeat. We've had two away points in the last year. One at Norwich and then one at Bristol City. So yeah, no, a so draw would be a, almost welcome. considered a minor miracle against the mid-table whip inside. Um, yeah. I think I'm probably going to go for it. Two-one loss, probably in the last minute. Let's be honest, but I don't know. Hopefully not. Fingers crossed. I'm wrong. I know Paul predicts two-one win every week, but that doesn't <laughs> seem to work. So I'm just going to predict a loss, and then maybe it means I'll be wrong and we'll win. Thing, like I'm hoping that's how it works. Uh, obviously, we'll be back on Sunday for the roundup. But before then, Matt is speaking to James from mm. James from the Bucks Free Press um, on the other side of the break. So stay tuned for that. Cheers. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Elm Park Royals preview podcast brought to you, of course, by Phantom Brewery. Well, come Saturday, it will be day 378 since Reading FC have last won away from home. Over a year now, we can tick that off. We can start counting the days off to two years without a win now. Our first opponent, obviously, coming up this weekend will be Wickham Wanderers in this post one year since winning away from home era it's awfully exciting seemingly um we'll keep counting off these days i feel like we should start with almost like a big brother day dot 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 since we've last won away from home um but anyway we're going to preview wickham now as always and to do so we've got james who's the wickham reporter for brooks bucks free press apologies i've completely mucked that up james but bucks free press how are you doing that's absolutely fine, Matt. No, I'm 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 great, thank you. I'm very happy. So, uh, no, thank you for inviting me on. I'm looking forward to it. Our pleasure, our pleasure. Well, James, Wickham are a team that kind of it's a weird one for Reading because we're so close to Wickham, mm-hmm. forty minutes up the road, if that. Probably not even that if you're if you're uh, going a bit quick in your car. Um, 
but we've never really played you guys. The last time we played you guys, of course, was in COVID. Um, I'm going to be honest, I couldn't even remember what happened in those games, seemingly with all the ones over COVID. Um, the last game that we played played you, we lost 1-0. And um, I think I remember why I don't remember it. It was because Lucas Yell missed a penalty and it was in a run of games where I think he missed his he missed three consecutive penalties in three consecutive games or something. It wasn't it wasn't a particularly happy time and it was almost a a, uh, a start of our collapse of our playoff push that season which seems years ago it doesn't even seem like it happened but give us a bit of background into kind of Wickham because your rise over the past 20 years um has been pretty pretty incredible to be honest from non-league all the way up to obviously league one and almost being a staple club of league one now yeah very much so it's been it's it's been a rapid rise uh, for Wickham since they got promoted to the football league in the early nineties, and I think that's what one thing people seem to forget. Wickham, compared to the other teams in the league, are, are still quite relatively new to the football league, even though it feels at the same time Wickham have been around for such a such a long time because the non-league days still get spoken about amongst the the older generation of Wickham fans. And there's no guarantee that Wickham will always be this League One uh, League One side. Obviously, we had the, there was a the year in the championship during COVID. Um, and then 10 years ago, 10 seasons ago, Wickham were on its knees and very much on the verge of going into the National League. So, you know, you, it, anything can change. But the recent rise of Wickham has been nothing short of remarkable. Um, promoted to League One in 2018, avoided the drop in 2019, promoted to the championship in 2020, avoid a relegation from the championship in 2021 by one point, a playoff final in 2022. And last season, really, yes, it was a bit of a damp squib with the way it ended, but it was still Wickham's highest, fifth highest finish ever, ninth in League One. So it's been a really, really good rise of Wickham. And with Gareth Ainsworth leaving back in February and Matt Bloomfield coming in, there's a new... There's like a new Wickham now. Everyone associated Wanderers with this long ball tactic where you just lump it up to Akin Fenwell, who was there for six years, and just let him do the magic. But now Wickham are attracting Premier League players in the sense of young Premier League players from Premier League clubs on loan for the season, making sure they're adapted to um, League One football, because let's be 100% honest, academy football and PL2 football is very different to playing, I know they're in League Two, but playing Harrogate on a Tuesday night or something like that. It's completely different. And Wickham have got a thing going there. There are going to be bumps in the road. And we saw that at the start of this season where in the opening day, Wickham were 2-0 down at home to Exeter inside the first four minutes. The first goal was scored after, I think, 20 seconds. So Wickham are very much on this exciting journey. And with Matt Bloomfield having his contract extended a few weeks back, Wickham are on the road to something. So the rise... I mean, from 2018 has been nothing short of incredible. And even from 20, uh, 1993, when we can got into the uh, Football League, it's just been it's just been a never stopping ride, really. One person um, you mentioned, obviously, there um, was Gareth Ainsworth. He was almost Mr. Wickham, um, you know, for so long. He was there at Wickham for 11 years. I think it was so many games obviously under him i think it was around about 500 or so that that, that he that he managed for, for 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 you guys left last year you guys in i think it was seventh place at the time couple of points off the playoffs you just won four or five on the bounce as well what what was the feeling really 
when Ainsworth left because for someone to be there for so long and then to leave, I guess probably it was probably the only club he was going to leave for in QPR, obviously with his history at QPR. Um, but it must have been obviously such a almost sad pill to kind of swallow for, for all you guys. Maybe not bitter or anything, but just it, it's just when someone leaves, it's been there for so long. It's yeah. Well, he's, he's been associated with Wickham since 2009 because that's when he joined on loan from QPR, signed a permanent contract in 2010, and he just stayed there, Became was there as a player, then became player manager, then obviously the manager that we all got to know. And when so Wickham had just beaten Bolton 1-0 um, at Adams Park, Lewis Wing, who is, of course, now at Reading, scored a fantastic goal, genuinely just an absolute screamer, right on the stroke of half-time, and that was Wickham, and that cemented Wickham's fifth win in a row, which had never been done in League One before by the, by the club. And within 72 hours, he was unveiled as the uh, new, well, 72 hours or so, he was unveiled as the new QPR manager. There had been rumours that season prior to um, the move in February. He was linked to the role in December when um, I think it was uh, Beal had left, I believe. So, And even before that, he had been linked with a move to Sunderland. And that was the year that Wickham got promoted to the Championship. He'd also been linked with a move to Lincoln, a club which had great success at as a player in the 90s. But they were always brushed off. He was also linked with Preston and Blackburn for a period of time. So whenever these rumours came up, it was almost as if, let's play Gareth Ainsworth bingo. Let's see which club is going to get linked with him. And then when are we going to hear him say, no, I'm not going to go. And Reading, Reading he, being, being one of those, being linked with Ainsworth for, for quite a few seasons. Because he, uh, he lives in Berkshire. So on paper, that, that would have been a good move for him. But... With, with Ainsworth, he's always been touted with another move and um, everyone brushed it off because it, it just seemed one of those things. So when I ended up getting a few calls from a few people saying, no, this is really going to happen, that's when it started to sink in. And then we and then we eventually heard that he wasn't appearing at the training ground. We had heard that Matt Bloomfield was on the verge of leaving Colchester, who had left Wickham a few months earlier to take the role in Essex. So um, it was such a whirlwind few days, honestly. Even I look back now and I still don't know how to how to really look at it because at the start of the week, everything was fine. Then by Wednesday, new manager came in and now it's a new chapter at Wickham Wanderers. So it was a very unique, unique week, I think is the best way to describe it. Yeah, well, probably the one person that had almost the toughest job, I think, would be Matt Bloomfield. You know, coming in, following Gareth Ainsworth, that is not an easy thing to to do. You know, um, Gareth taking you guys um, from League uh, League Two up into up into League One, even the Championship. Following that, you could almost say it's been a poison, or hasn't been a poison chalice, but could have been a poison chalice for for, for any manager that that follows um, Ainsworth. With, with you guys, how has it kind of settled with with Bloomfield? Because um, finished last season, I think ninth um, in the table, currently sit, um, I think it's twelfth, so mid table in League One. Um, but Wickham are one of those teams that I think a lot of people are almost assuming will now be there in the playoff hunt. How is that kind of settling down? Is it almost fans think that, you know, we should still be pushing for them? We just need to almost refine our way as a club now under under somebody new. How's, how's that going? 
Well, going back to the point about being a poison chalice, I mean, if there was anyone going to take over from Gareth Ainsworth, it was going to be Matt Bloomfield, simply for the fact that his name is quite literally Mr. Wickham. He's, uh, next month will be the 20th year that he's been associated with Wickham Wanderers, excluding the five-month period he had at Colchester at the back end of last year, last year, start of this year. And if anyone was going to replace Gareth Ainsworth, it would be Matt Bloomfield. And when he got the role, it was almost as if he had never left. He was very, he was a player, came in on the, on a free from Ipswich back in 2003, and he just built his career, never looked anywhere else. Um, retired a couple of years ago due to um, some serious head injuries, and he would have worked under Ainsworth as a coach, and he would have learned about all the tactics, he would have learned about the focus play, and now he's now adapting that as the main man in charge. And you can really see that progression in Wickham, it's no longer the the so-called long ball over the top, which which was very much the uh, the staple mark of Wickham. Now it's a case of getting the ball into the feet, getting it out to the wingers, trying to get everyone in. He's openly told us that he wants Max uh, Strayek, the goalkeeper, to be using his feet a lot more because that's the way the modern way the modern game's going. And I think it's very much a work in progress. We saw at the back end of last season there were times where Wickham were quite poor. Very poor there, for example, home games against um, Cheltenham where they lost 3 0 at home, and it was just genuinely just a shocking performance. And then Lincoln at home as well. One of the Lincoln players, I think it was Sorensen, scored, I think, from 70 yards, just lobbed the keeper. And everything was sort of like, okay, you can see what they're trying to do, but it's not working. This season, teething problems at the start, as I mentioned before, but now they've got a rhythm going, albeit they are winless in five games at the moment in the league. They haven't actually. They haven't played terribly in those games. They really haven't. They were seconds away from beating Oxford at the Kassam, which would have been a huge achievement considering how well they're doing. But the referee that day was genuinely abysmal. Um, they lost four two at home to Bolton, two 0 down. They were Wickham. They managed to pull it back and then conceded two very late goals. And that was only because they went too, in my opinion, too gung ho. The two two draw against Peterborough, who were no you know, who are no um, easy team to beat. That could have gone either way, but Wickham just edged it. Um, so you can really see what's, what they're doing, but they're just trying to turn those performances into wins. And it's very much a case of, right, okay, you can see what we're trying to do. Let's try and, let's try and do it. Injuries haven't helped as well. I mean, the injuries for Wickham have been nothing short of incredible in a negative sense. So um, hence why they signed Lyle Taylor last week on a free transfer, because Wickham... Just, just don't have anyone at the moment due to the injuries. Well, one place that kind of hasn't been the happiest of hunting grounds for, for Wickham this year has been actually at home at Adams Park. You know, you sit 17th at the moment in that home home table um, chart at the moment. Um, I think it's three wins from 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 eight games at home. Um, has it been a struggle at home? Is what, what, what's kind of the what was what's kind of the the story around that? Hmm, that's an interesting one because there have been times at Wickham this season. I mean, the only terrible home performance I could really think of this season were the Exeter game on the opening day where Wickham just didn't turn up and were just almost flustered from when the first whistle went, hence why they were 1-0 down inside 20 seconds. Um, Stevenage a couple of weeks ago was genuinely, I think, one of the worst games I've ever watched, not because of Wickham losing 1-0. It was just, It was just a dreadful game of football. Other than Jamie Reed's goal just before half time for, for Stevenage, and I think um, Wickham hit the bar. I don't think anything else happened apart from the 
horrific scenes we saw off the pitch. Um, and then I think probably Cambridge at home where it finished nil-nil um, at the end of October, Wickham just bossed the ball but just couldn't break down a very stubborn Cambridge defence. So it's almost as if Wickham know how to win. They just can't they just can't seem to do it at the moment. Um, I do, again, this isn't an excuse. I do believe the injuries haven't helped. Um, we've got, Wickham have got no Sam Vokes. Brandon Handham will be out now for the rest of the season. Luke Leahy will be out for a considerable amount of time following his head injury because you can't rush him back into something like that. Um, Sam Vokes is going to be out for a little while. Uh, Freddie Potts on loan from West Ham is going to be out for a little while. Jason McCarthy, wingback, is going to be out for a little while. Kane Vincent Young, the list goes on. So Wickham are very much now using players out of position to try and get results. Um, on paper, this could be the best uh, week for Wickham in terms of playing Reading. But like you mentioned at the start of your show, it's been over a year now since Reading have last one on the road. So you know what's going to happen on Saturday now, don't you? <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> What one one thing one thing I was going to quickly ask was if if it's probably a good time then for Reading to be playing Wickham and to try and break, you know, this hideous run of form. I mean, we've uh, I mean we we we're counting. Oh well, I noted obviously it's over a year now since we last won away from home. It's I think it's going to be nearly I think it'll be nearly seven months or eight months since we almost since well, since we last got a point away from home we've not got a point away from home at all this season last time was bristol city away back in april um so could it be almost that 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 day with the injuries do you think james well we just don't know but i mean it's it's too hard to call i do because wickham apart from stevenage last week wickham haven't really played that badly they really haven't they've they have had chances but they just haven't been able to take them away um, as we as we all know, Reading are very low on confidence um, in terms of recent results. I mean, I think I, um, I I'm quite close to James Earnshaw from the Reading Chronicle, so I always have a look at his tweets and I always feel bad for him when you guys played Shrewsbury recently. I saw your tune up and thought, okay, that's it, then that's done, that's the win. I couldn't believe it when I saw. It. I couldn't believe the score when I got home with it all. I, it was- I genuinely bathrooms <laughs> it, it was quite amusing that Shrewsbury game though I have to say because um I think every Reading fan the later it got kind of had that feeling and then almost once once they scored you just knew they were going to score again yeah like it, it was just written um but but yeah the the less we talk about that that game I think the better I think we'll bring up too much PTSD and I think every Reading fan that listens to this um players for Wickham um almost or well, I say almost being your talisman. I think he has been your talisman, um, Luke Luke Leahy, Leahy um, in in midfield. Five goals, four assists. Was he one of the ones that that is injured, or is he not injured for for you guys? Will he be playing at the weekend? Yeah, so he will be. Um, so he'll more than likely be out. Um, so in the Stevenage game, um, Adams about a couple of weeks ago, he suffered a horrific um, head injury. Um, with his own man, actually, with Josh Scoe, and he was—he um, just got absolutely clattered, and he was um, unresponsive for a um, for a period of time. It was it was very very serious. Uh, immediately taken to hospital. Thankfully, he was um, discharged um, a day or so later, and he was mm-hmm. spotted um, at the uh, recent EFL Trophy match against Wimbledon on um, on Saturday afternoon. So, with I guess, and with Matt Bloomfield having to retire due to some serious head injuries he suffered in the past. I don't think we'll be seeing Luke Leahy um, 
on Saturday. I could be wrong, but I don't think due to how severe it was, he'll be rushed back into um, a league fixture, especially against a side who are, I know it's not a derby, but it is a derby in some sense. Uh, because <laughs> I don't hold it up here, James. <laughs> I know, well, well I, I just can't, I can't imagine him. I can't imagine him being in that sort of fixture. And especially with the away end being absolutely packed full of uh, Royals fans, it's, it's going to be quite, um, quite atmospheric. I don't think he'll be risked for it in for a game like that. Unfortunately, um, I could expect, we could expect to see him maybe in a few weeks time. But um, no, I don't think he'll be see. I don't think we'll be seeing him on Saturday, which is a shame because he's been one of Wickham's best players this season. Yeah, well, I, I mean, he leads goals and assists for Wickham, five goals, four assists. Um, I mean, anyone who does that from kind of you know the middle of the park, you're going to be talking about them, um, you know, as one of the best players. Kind of apart from um, Leahy, then who who should Reading fans be looking out for? Who's kind of the the man to kind of um, pinpoint in that Wickham team? Um, if he starts, then Josh Scoen. He was a Wickham's player of the year season last season. One of the best players Wickham have had, in my opinion. Just He has that N'Golo Kante sort of engine where he just never stops running, covers every single blade of grass. And um, he's such a, an annoying player to play against because if you think you've got a yard of space, he'll be there. So Josh Scoen um, is one of the players to look out for. I think Joe Lowe, um, if he starts, he'll be one another player to look out for. Um, low start of the season, like a house on fire, scoring goals. And he's a centre-back. He scored uh, for the uh, Wells under-21s uh, during the week as well. So as well as being a very good centre-back, he, he also knows where, where the goal is. Killian Phillips as well, on loan from Crystal Palace. Long, leggy, loves a sliding challenge. And he can also find, um, he gets himself some good positions. So he's got one goal this season, but um, he could have had plenty more. And of course, um, if he does start, of course, uh, Gareth McCleary. Um, spent, as you know, many years at um, many years at uh, Reading, of course, in the Premier League. Scored in that FA Cup semi-final against my team, Arsenal. Um, but Wickham, he's very much at home now. This is his fourth season um, at Wickham, he joined from Reading, of course, uh, during the COVID year, and he absolutely loves it. And he told us a few months ago that he has no plans on retiring, despite being 36, 37. He wants to be playing until he's in his um, early 40s, at least. And of course, I know it ended quite um, acrim- uh, quite badly um, when he was at uh, at Reading. So maybe he might have a point to prove on Saturday against Adams Park if he does start. I think he will certainly want to point uh, or to make a point against uh, against Reading with, with how it ended. I mean, he, he was a player that I think divided a lot of opinion by by the end, and it was not really his fault. I think a lot of it because um, a lot of it came from you know the the wages that he was on, and you know he ended up essentially being just cast away by by the managers or potentially by the owner. I think that's a different story. Um, and was just out he was just completely taken out and just was what wasn't wasn't played um yeah you know i think he's probably going to be looking at you know the reading situation right now and almost just maybe maybe smiling a little bit you know i think if i was him i would be a bit because it's you know a bit like well did try and tell you kind of thing with, with with mccleary but when it comes to being a player, I loved him when it was at Reading. He was one of my favourite players for for quite a number of years. He was one of those players that, yes, he sometimes had the games where he went quiet, 
goalkeeper, he could always do something and you knew he could do something, whether that was, you know, a piece of skill, a burst of pace or a goal from, you know, 20, 30 yards. You know, he had it in his locker. Um, yeah. And the, the amount of time he spent at Reading FC, you know, I think he, he, he racked up, you know, over over 250 appearances, you know, for, for Reading. So, so yeah, it, it'll be good. Hopefully, hopefully gets a good reception, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um James, then for, for the weekend, wrapping up a little bit, what is your score prediction going to be? Are you going to go with a Wickham, Wickham win? Can you break that duck away from home, or could Reading maybe somehow scrape that elusive away win? What's what's your thoughts? Every time I've been asked to give a score prediction, I've always been wrong. Um, As with anyone who does score predictions, they mean absolutely nothing. <laughs> they mean absolutely nothing. But every time I go for a Wickham win. We can never win, so I, I, I don't want to do break this. I, I want, I, of course, I want Wickham to win um, on Saturday. They need to end this uh, five-game uh, winless streak because the performances have been good, and we know that Reading will certainly be up for it with it being a local derby. And I just want to say before I give my score prediction, when that away end is packed, and as Wickham saw last season against uh, Derby and Bolton and Sheffield Wednesday, the noise it makes is absolutely insane because the acoustics are so much better. So um, I am going to go for, I reckon there will be goals in this game, simply because of the uh, the derby nature of it. So I'm actually going to go for a draw, but I reckon it's going to be three-all. Three-all draw? Oh, go, well, it's a bit outlandish, but I'm thinking, because I do, <laughs> I, I can just picture now Lewis Wing scoring from about, 40 yards like it just like just gets the ball and just smashing one in and i actually went and watched reading play uh the arsenal under 21s last week being an arsenal fan and i was quite impressed in the way that they played i know it doesn't really bode a lot in terms of the league but still yeah yeah the 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 difference between reading in that competition and even the uh, even the fl cup earlier in earlier in the season has been um quite quite um uh it's been a big gap it's been a big kind of difference um i mean as listeners of this um uh, preview show will know i've not predicted reading to win for about the last six months it seems like at this point um simply because i, I don't think i can even pull myself to even predict a draw let alone a win so um no uh, no i'm not going to break it um i, I do yeah it's, it might be very kind of down and melodramatic at the moment but we might score, um, but I, I think I think Wickham two one, maybe maybe three one um, to uh, to come out winners. Um, we will see. We will see. One thing that is for sure, we will of course be back after the Wickham game, previewing it, loss, draw, or hopefully win. Um, we will be back and obviously giving our thoughts and uh, reviewing the game on Sunday. James, thank you so much, obviously, for coming on um, and previewing um, for, from a Wiccan perspective. It's been a bit of a long one, this, but hopefully um, all, uh, all you have enjoyed it. If you have enjoyed it, of course, give us um, a five-star um, review, obviously, on your podcast of choice. It does really help us in stuff like podcast rankings, helping new listeners find us and all of that lovely stuff. So thank you very much, James, again. I've been Matt Lansley. This has been the Unpark Royals Preview Podcast, and we will catch you on the next one.